Thank you so much for the Word of God. We thank you that it is alive and filled with power. And so we look to you, Lord, to teach us by your Holy Spirit today. Thank you, Master, for being in our midst today, moving mightily. We glorify you in the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. Amen. Just stay standing for a moment. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14 says this, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? You may be seated. We've discovered this, that a strong spirit will get us through anything. It'll help us to overcome physical attacks, financial difficulties, relational difficulties, job and career, and even ministerial setbacks, emotional challenges, and everything that the enemy may try to throw our way. Now, there are, however, some drains that we've been talking about that can drain you and weaken you spiritually. We talked about fear and fretting at length the last two Sundays. But here's another one I just want to talk about today. We need to eliminate the drain of moaning, groaning, and complaining. Joyce Meyer said this. She said, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I have come to realize that they have problems because they complain. (laughs) And then she goes on to say, Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. It amplifies frustration, spreads discontentment, discord, and can involve an invitation or invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. Complaining simply can make one miserable. The psalmist said this, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. An overwhelmed spirit is not a good thing. It weakens us in the work of the Lord. Now we see the enemy getting a place in the children of Israel through their complaining, their moaning, and their groaning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I know I've got the scriptures kind of backed up. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And then he drops down there, want to drop down to verse 9, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. It says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyers. Of course, we know that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So what opened the door for the destroyer to have a place in their life was basically being unthankful, their murmuring, and their complaining. Now, Simon says, How, what does this have to do with us? Well, look at verse 11. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples and are written for our instruction or for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. I believe this, that we need to shut down and close the door on an ungrateful heart. Amen. Now over there in Philippians, the second chapter, notice with me in verse 14 and verse 15, Paul writing to the church of Philippi said this, do all things without murmurings and disputings. How many things? things. For what purpose? Well, verse 15 tells us what the purpose is. 
that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. So here's the, here's the thing, guys. A positive, thankful person like you and me, we are great witnesses in this dark world. What Paul is saying is this. We shine when we are thankful. We shine when we are thankful. A friend of mine, Mac Hammond, who pastors a great church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, <clears throat> said this. He said, if you want to cultivate gratefulness, deliberately move your words and thoughts for what, from what you don't have to what you do have. For you will always have something for which you can be grateful. Are you grateful today? Well, I believe this. I believe that gratitude is the secret sauce for a happy, healthy Christian life. Now, a lot of people are going to be in the kitchen this week. And all the guys said, Amen. That's a little redneckish there, isn't it? Or all the gals say, Amen. But sometimes you'll, you'll observe uh, chefs and they'll have that wooden spoon and they'll taste of the secret sauce or taste of the sauce and they'll say, mm, I, I know that mm, something's missing here. So they, they add that little secret sauce and it, it makes it so much better. You know, I've watched over the years many, many people and I believe that in many folks' lives the secret sauce of gratitude is missing. Gratitude is, first of all, a condition. It is a condition. When gratitude is present in our lives, our soul is healthy. You know, really, we live from the inside out. We've discussed that we are spirit beings, that we have souls and we live in physical bodies. And Third John 2 bears this out. It's a great verse of Scripture about prosperity but prosperity is not just finances. Prosperity has to do with so many different areas of our life. And in 3 John 2, he says, Beloved, I wish, or I pray, above all things that you may prosper and be in health as what? Even as your soul prospers. Amen. So a prosperous, healthy soul has within it the ingredient of gratitude. Gratitude should be our condition. We could say it this way. Gratitude should be a part of our life. This should be your diagnosis. And I'm going to be very pointed about it, that God has been good to you. Amen. Say it with me. God has been good to me. And oftentimes when people say that, they say, yes, but this is going on and that's going on. You have more sunny days than you do rainy days. You are more blessed than you are bothered. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is good to you, will be good to you, and he's being good to you right now. Amen. And so this Spirit of gratitude, <clears throat> it creates a condition of gratefulness. Now, 
Gratitude is not only to be a condition, but it is also to be a practice. In other words, gratitude must be expressed in our lives. It must be expressed. Practice gratitude. The psalmist said this. He said, I will bless the Lord when I'm feeling good. I will bless the Lord when my bills are paid. My babies are behaving. And my haircut was just right. Anybody ever had a bad haircut before? He said, I will bless the Lord most of the time. No, I will. You get your will involved in this. I will bless the Lord at all times, in all seasons. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why don't we just praise him for about five or six seconds? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Practice the presence of God through praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 15th verse. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. There's that word again. That is the fruit of our lips. It's not enough just to have a praise in your heart. Praise must be in our lips. That is the fruit of our lips, <laughs> giving thanks to his name. So what is this saying to us? This is saying we do not just think our praise. We say our praise. Husbands, your marriage will not go well if you only think your thanks. Thanksgiving to our spouses must be expressed. Having a thankful heart, a spirit of gratitude to God. How about thanking people? Whoever comes in your circle. I mean, that person who showed up at IHOP at 5 a.m. And you show up there at, after church all sassy and full of the Holy Ghost. Anytime they pour your coffee, look them in the eye and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You ever been to a restaurant where the food wasn't quite as good as you'd like it to be? That's a test of your faith. And then just don't thank them with your lips. Thank them with your pocketbook. Somebody says, well, should I leave a 5% tip, a 10% tip, a 15%, a 20% tip? Leave the best tip that you can. See, showing gratitude to people who are serving you honors them. How about showing gratitude for our first responders? You see a person that's a first responder, you see a veteran, thank them for their service. Thank them for all that they do. 
Instead of moaning and groaning and complaining about how bad things are, why not switch over and start looking for the good and being thankful for the good? Honor people. So gratitude then is a condition of our heart and it's a practice that must be expressed out of our mouth. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. And notice with me in verse 16. It says, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. C.S. Lewis said this, the joy is the serious business of heaven. Well, so somebody says, well, I know they're joyful up there, but it's God's will for us to be joyful down here. And rejoicing can be a celebration of your expectation of what God is about to do in your life. Rejoice evermore. And then verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. And this verse here in verse 18 says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I do want to look at that in the Amplified Version. It says, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for who you are in Christ, Jesus, the revealer and the mediator of that will. This is proper protocol in the kingdom of God. That in everything, we are to give thanks in Christ Jesus. Now, a scripture that goes along with that, and I'm going to explain it to you this morning because sometimes people get confused about this verse. In Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 20, and if we could pull that up there, that would be great. It wasn't in the scriptures I gave you. Say it with me, in everything, I'm going to give thanks. Now, we don't necessarily give thanks for the flat tire. We don't necessarily give thanks for the migraine. But in the midst of the tire being flat, and in the midst of the head hurting, and in the midst of the bills not being paid, we are to give thanks to God because He's working on our situations and He's turning them around for all things are going to work together for the good of those that are called in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now notice this in verse uh, 20. It says, giving thanks for all things. Now, that word for there in the Greek is hooper. And the word for there means over and above and beyond. In other words, we are to give thanks not so much for the difficulties we are in, but we are to give thanks over and above and beyond because we know that we've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and ultimately those things that are coming against us are going to turn around for the glory of God. So it's not, it's not so, oh, thank you, thank you, Lord. My kids just went out and did drugs last night. No, 
We don't give thanks for that. What we give thanks for is over and above and beyond the circumstance because we know that our God is working on the situation. I hope that makes sense to you. Glory to God. Give thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, look over at Luke chapter 17. Luke, the 17th chapter. And we are going to look at these verses in the Amplified Version. Luke 17. And in verse 11. As he went on his way to Jerusalem, it occurred that Jesus was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into one village, he was met by ten lepers. Now notice with me, they were standing at a distance. The reason why they were standing at a distance is because they were unclean and they were not allowed into public life. They had to leave their jobs. They had to leave their community And they had to be at a distance away from everyone else because the disease that they had was transferable. And so they were out there and they were standing at a distance. They were apart from everyone. And verse 13, And they raised up their voices and called, Jesus, Master, take pity or have mercy or have compassion on us. They must have heard something about Jesus. They must have heard that he is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. They must have heard that he is the one who heals the broken in heart. They must have heard that they, he raises people from the dunghill and he even raises people from the dead. Now, having heard about Jesus, what happened on the inside of them? I'll tell you what happened on the inside of them. Hope rose up. And you know, they thought, well, if he could do it there, he can do it here. And so what did they do? They went into the proper protocol, if you will, and they cried out and they called out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. In other words, have mercy compassion on me. Notice in verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go at once and show yourself to the priests. See, in the old covenant, the Levitical protocol was this, that if they felt that they had been cleansed, if they felt as though their leprosy was no longer an issue, what they had to do is present themselves to the priest. The priest would come along and he would examine the leper and he would be able to say, okay, he's still unclean or he is clean. So once the priest pronounced the leper clean, they were then able to go back to their normal way of life, go back to the shop, go back to the community. And so Jesus is saying, I want you now then, and this is how I'm going to show you mercy. I want you to take an action of faith 
And I want you to go show yourself to the priest. Oh, hallelujah. Now notice the rest of the verse in verse 14. It says, as they went. What if they hadn't went? What if they hadn't gone? What if they would have hesitated and said, well, I don't know. I just don't. You never know what the Lord might do. No, the scripture says, as they went. Say this with me. Faith is acting on the words of the master. Faith is acting on what we believe. They cried out for mercy. Jesus begins to show them mercy and gives them instruction to do something. You see, God has his part, but we have our part. Our part is to went. <laughs> our part is to go. Our part is to believe the words of the master and just act as if they're true. Go show yourself to the priest. There were 10 of them, right? And as they went, they're on the way to the priest. As they went, they were cured. Woo, hallelujah. And made clean. My brothers and sisters, some good and glorious and wonderful things will happen to you and to me as we went. As we act on the words of the Master, we can be cured. We can be made whole. We can be made prosperous. We can be everything that God says we are. Oh, hallelujah. As they went, as they acted, I believe what God's looking for in the body of Christ today is a movement. I mean, why sit here till we die? Let's go into the enemy's camp and let's take back what the devil has stolen from us. Let's not just sit here and moan and groan and complain waiting to die. Let's rise up and live for Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Go show yourself. Go show yourself. Show Jesus your faith. Show Jesus you believe. Get up and move. Get up and go. Get up and speak. Say to the mountain, be thou removed. Notice he says, go at once. Don't wait until you feel better. Don't wait until things change. Go at once. Things will change as you go. Things will change as you praise. Things will change as you rejoice. Go at once. In other words, go without delay. And I want you to show yourself to the priest. And as they went, everyone say, as they went. As they went. Say it this way, as I went. As they went. What were they? They, oh, come on, somebody. They were cured 
and made clean. Now drop down to verse 15. I didn't know that, you know, all that was in that verse. Thank God for it. Verse 15. Then one of them, say one of them. One of them. Be one of the one. Be that one. You be that believer. You be that person that shows up. As for me and my house, we're going to be one of the one that serves God. Then one of them, upon seeing that he was cured, what did he do? The nine kept moving. But the one turned back. Listen, that word recognizing there means understanding. He understood something that the nine did not. Recognizing and thanking and praising God. And he wasn't quiet about it. We don't have to be quiet when we come to church. We can get loud. We can get rambunctious. We can rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) He recognized, thanking, and praising God with a loud voice. Listen, friend, if this was you, if you had leprosy, and you recognized, and you understood that you were cured, you would not say it this way. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Brother Hernandez. No. You would make the people on the price is right look calm. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. The price is right contestants are some of the most rambunctious, expressive people I have ever seen in my life. Tomorrow night at the Coliseum, we're going to see some rambunctious Chiefs fans and Rams fans. And when the Rams make a touchdown, they're not going to go, the golf clap. Wasn't that a wonderful touchdown? John's going to be with me. We're going to be pushing each other and jabbing each other and high-fiving one another. Amen. Amen. He turned around with a loud, a loud voice. And then something else happened. Next verse. And he fell. This is not like this, oh Lord. He fell. Face down. All in. He fell. Prostrate. At Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over and over and over, over and over and over. 
Has the Lord done anything for you that you just thank Him over and over and over and over and over and over again? I have a picture of myself in a state hospital not being able to sleep for two to three weeks withdrawing from drugs. But when Jesus came into my life, it literally changed me forever. And I will never forget what the Lord has done for me. And so I thank Him over and over and over and over and over. Some of you need to get on the Thanksgiving train and start thanking Him over and over and over again. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. He was a Samaritan. Samaritan were considered to be dogs. Samaritan were considered to be the scum of the earth. The very person that came to Jesus for the healing of her daughter. He says, it is not meat for me to cast, to feed the dogs. They were considered to be dogs. But you know, there is no one and there is nobody that will call on the name of the Lord that'll be on the outside looking in. Jesus will take them in. And he will do for anyone what he'll do for you and you and you. Come on, somebody shout amen. Glory to God. Let's just say thank you, thank you, thank you. He saw two things. First of all, he saw that he was healed. But secondly, he saw who did it. He saw and recognized and understood the very source of the healing that took place. And in verse 17... It says, Then Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was there no one found? Next verse. Verse 18. Was there no one found to return and to recognize and give thanks? You see, people will not give authentic praise unless they have an understanding of who their source is. Sometimes people get blessed and they, like the nine, they just keep going. They're rejoicing that they're free from leprosy. Oh, they're rejoicing that they're free from dead. Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. That's wonderful that you're blessed. But what about turning around? And understanding that the source of your blessing is Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Verse 18. Was there no one found to return to recognize and give thanks and praise to God except 
this alien? Let's just center in on this and settle this right now. Jesus is not insecure. He didn't have this attitude. After all I did for them, couldn't they say thanks? Jesus was not concerned about being thanked. He's not sensitive and touchy. The point is this. is not that he is offended because someone didn't thank him. There's a bigger point here. He did not want them to miss something. He did not want them to miss something because he knew that there was more if they would have just turned around. Oh, come on, somebody. Only one understood what had happened. And only one returned. And I'm going to stress it again today. I want you to see... I want you to understand and I want you to recognize that God has been good to you. I said God has been good to you. You do not have a nice car or a nice this or a nice that because you're so smart. Or because your last name is Rockefeller or whatever. Are you into such and such a school? Are you got a new do? God has been good to you. And we need to know and recognize who done it. And not just keep walking and talking about how rich we are and how blessed we are and how healed we are. We need to turn around and go back. Because I'll tell you what, this is the secret sauce. Gratitude is the secret sauce. And in my life, and in your life, it's got to grow. And it's got to develop on the inside of us. Because here's what it does, it brings us to wholeness. Say it with me, it brings me to nothing missing. And nothing broken in my life. Look at verse 19. And he said to him, the one who turned around, Get up, go on your way. Your faith. You see, faith is expressed by coming to the feet of Jesus and saying, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get up and go on your way. Your faith, your trust, your confidence that spring forth from your belief in God has restored you to health. Whoo! Come on, somebody. The King James says, Arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You see, for the nine... The leprosy stopped, did it not? But for the one, he was made whole. 
And the text is so strong, and I I cannot prove it because it doesn't say, but the text is so strong on that word made whole, it very well could mean that anything that was damaged in his life as a result of the leprosy was completely restored and completely healed. Any relationship that had been damaged because of the years of leprosy was healed and made whole. Go back to your shop, get back to your life, you are made whole. Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, He got it. The Spirit of God said, He got more. He got more than the nine got. He got more. And why did He get more? Because He went through the door. And the door is thanksgiving. The Holy Ghost spoke to me a few months ago that thanksgiving is the door for more. It very well could be that there's some unfinished business in our lives, in our bodies, in our finances because we really haven't understood and recognized who our source is. That we really, we, we gloat in the fact that it happened, but let us never forget who did it. There's seven Hebrew words for praise. One of the Hebrew words is yada. Another word is tada. And basically the word yada and toda simply means to shoot out the hands. It means to extend and to lift up our hands. You got to come to church with your hands like this. Walk through the lobby like this. I've come to give thanks. Come on, somebody. Shoot out the hands. Extend and lift up your voice. The opposite of yada and toda is to bemoan and to wring the hands. It's to worry. Take your hands right now and lift them up to Jesus. Sometimes you don't even have words to say thank you. But those uplifted hands are a means of giving thanks to God. I'm going to ask P.T. to come right now. Let's thank him for his goodness and his mercy. Glory to God. You be one of the one. Put your hand over your heart. Say this with me. This Thanksgiving, I will be grateful for all that you've done for me. I rejoice evermore. I shall pray without ceasing and over and above and beyond what's going on in my life. I will give thanks because I know that you are moving in my life. Glory to God. Glory to God.